Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Lord, we have gathered here together today so that we could hear your word. So Lord, we ask that you open up our hearts and you open up our minds that we may receive your word and that we may digest it within ourselves. And that also, Lord, that we may go away today living the kind of life that you want us to live. We pray this in your almighty name. Amen. Mickey Cohen was the number one bad boy in the tinsel town of Hollywood in the late 1940s. He had invented his own role in life and wrote the script to please himself. Born poor in New York City, he had once been a New Jersey punk and a strong arm man. Later he moved to the West Coast and became a self-styled gangster, much in the fashion of Al Capone. Mickey was tough to the core. With an immense ego and an innate sense of self-preservation. Contracts were repeatedly put out on his life. His home was bombed. His car was machine-gunned. By 1949, his gambling casinos handled half a million dollars daily. Nothing happened in Tinseltown without Mickey's say-so. Mickey was first introduced to Christianity by one of his employees who had attended a Billy Graham crusade. Mickey had started to turn his life around. He had even attended a Billy Graham crusade himself. He became more charitable paid more attention to those around him. And he even went with his probation officer to speak at camps for delinquent boys. But Mickey had trouble with one thing. He just couldn't see that he was sinful and separated from God. Mickey died in 1976 with one question on his mind. So what's the matter with being a Christian gangster? Mickey's question seems a bit comical to us, maybe even a little bit ludicrous. But how many of us, through the way that we live our own lives, pose this very same question? So what is the matter with being a Christian liar? We have probably all lied once or two, twice in our lives. What is the matter with being a Christian gossiper? Have we ever gossiped? So what is the matter with being a jealous Christian? Have you ever coveted something that your neighbor had? How many of us profess to be Christians and yet we want to remain in our own sinful lifestyle? 
like Mickey, we cannot love God. We cannot obey him and yet remain what we are. We must repent. Too often, we dismiss the seriousness of our sins. In our own minds, we whitewash how bad of sinners we really are. We tend to minimize the consequences that each and every sin carries with it. And we overlook how bad we might have hurt somebody else. We don't like to think of ourselves as being bad people. And we maybe aren't the worst of people. After all, we haven't murdered someone. We are not thieves. Maybe some of us never even had a speeding ticket. So just how bad can we really be? Jesus has some very important words for us today, some very stern words. He says, cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. Cut off your foot if it causes you to sin. Pluck out your eye if it causes you to sin. I wonder if we would have any body parts left if we cut out everything that made us sin. We are all terrible sinners, no matter how good we think we are. We all sin in some way each and every day. We all succumb to some degree to the temptations that Satan places before us. Throughout its entirety, the Bible mentions many specific actions and attitudes that are wrong for us to have. Sexual immorality, lust, anger, hatred, arrogance, envy, wild living, cheating, drunkenness, and lying. And these are just, uh, just the very few of the ones that are mentioned. Have you ever experienced any of those sins that are listed in the Bible? If so, you are a sinner. Just like everybody else since Adam and Eve. We are all in the same boat. We are all weak in the flesh. And we give in to our human desires. As a society, we have learned to overlook many of the things that our God has called sinful. We tend to make excuses for the wrongs that we commit as a society. We say it is all right to have a few too many beers, just once in a while. We look the other way when we see two people living together and having babies together without being married. We condone stealing from our employers by not being as productive as we could be. And we say, I get paid by the hour. 
So I ask, whatever became of sin, where did it go? Is it gone just because we refuse to see it? We can dismiss the sins that we see around us, but God can't, and he won't. There will be a day when we will all be judged for the wrongs that we have committed against God. The day is coming, and it is coming very soon according to God's timing. One day we will all stand before his holy throne, and we will have to make an accounting of our lives. Not one of us will be found spotless on our own accord, for we have all sinned. So what can we do? How can we be saved if we are such terrible people? We must turn our lives around. Repent. Jesus said, it is better for us to enter the kingdom of God, maimed and crippled, than to have our whole bodies and to go to hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. To the Jews, worms and fire represented both internal and external pain. What could be worse than spending an eternity in constant pain? The very thought of spending eternity in pain, in constant pain, should make us should be enough to make us want to repent. Jesus used some powerful language to stress the importance of cutting sin out of our lives. Painful discipline is required of us if we are to be true followers of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we must end relationships. Maybe we have to quit a good job. Give up a habit if they are against God's will for us. And this may sometimes seem as painful as cutting off a hand or a foot. However, the sacrifice is well worth it. We must be ruthless in removing sin from our lives right now in order to avoid being stuck with them for all eternity in hell. Jesus says in verse 49, everyone will be salted with fire. I think what he is saying here is that Christians must be purified and preserved. We are purified when we walk through the fires of our lives. When we are tested by the hard times, we find out just how strong our faith in God really is. The hotter the fire, the stronger our faith must be to carry us through. And this 
can bring us closer to our Lord and our Savior. We must also be salted, that is, preserved, so that we can last our lifetime in our faith. We must be able to live out the rest of our lives for Christ, no matter how long that may be. Jesus used salt to illustrate three qualities that all his people should have. Number one, we should remember God's faithfulness. Just as salt is used with sacrifices to recall God's covenant with his people. Number two, we should make a difference in the flavor of the world. Just as salt flavors meat. And number three, we should counteract the moral decay in our society. Just as salt preserves food from decay. Now, just as the Bible mentions several things that are wrong for us to do, it also mentions markers by which we can know that we do belong to our Lord Jesus Christ. If we have love, if we have peace, joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we can know that the Spirit of the Lord is within us. When we can do these things on a regular and a consistent basis, that is when we know that we are living by his spirit and, and not in our own sinful nature. Being led by the Holy Spirit involves the desire to hear God's word and having the readiness to obey it. When we live each day being controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit, we will have the sensitivity to discern between our own feelings and his holy promptings. The words of Christ will be in our minds. The love of Christ will be behind our every action. And the power of Christ will help us to control our own selfish desires. When we are truly repentant, we will experience the love of God in our lives, and we will become more like him. His love will be at the forefront of all of our decisions and all of our actions. When we truly turn ourselves over to Christ, we will notice the difference in ourselves. We will become more caring. We will put others' needs before our own. We will put on a humbleness that we have never known before. Living for Christ becomes our way of life. Mickey Cohen, the Christian gangster, could not put his former life behind him. 
we must not follow in Mickey's footsteps. We need to learn how to repent of our many sins. We need to be truly sorry for all the wrongs that we have committed. Then we need to turn our lives around and not live in willful sin anymore. We need to be committed to living a God-pleasing life, one in which we intentionally steer away from the many temptations to do the wrong that Satan puts before us. The day is coming, and it is coming soon, when we will all stand before God at his heavenly throne, and we will be judged. If we truly repent, if we are truly sorry for our sins, we can receive God's mercy. If we truly believe that Jesus Christ has already paid the price for all that we have done wrong, God will be gracious towards us. We can then ask the question, whatever became of sin, and God will answer in his love. It has been forgiven. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that, that we are all sinners, that from the day of our birth, that we have sinned constantly. And Lord, we reach out to you for your help. Help us to turn our lives around. Help us to repent. Lord, we ask that you forgive us and that you teach us to forgive all others around us. Lord, we need you. We need you to, to show us how to live. We need you to forgive us Show us how to repent, Lord, that our sins may be taken away. This we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The first step in being repentant is to recognize that we are sinners, that we have all sinned, and we have committed wrongs against God. So we must learn that lesson. And then we must turn our lives around. We must repent. And instead of going away from God, we must go towards God. So now, as you go out this week, go out to serve your neighbor in love and to serve your Lord with his love. Amen.